Hi everyone, we are pressing into looking at Rhythms at Hope. We've had a really loved, lovely time connecting with Mal and Chriselle. If you haven't caught up with them, their talks are both online and on the podcast and YouTube. And last week, they also did a workshop with us in the second half, which Chris is going to put online just on the podcast to listen to as well. There is a lot of content and throwaways when with Mal when he speaks. So I really recommend um, listening to them quite a few times to just glean the different bits of wisdom that God has is giving us through him. In the next couple of weeks, I am going to look at healthy rhythms that we to, to start kind of processing together as a community, following Jesus together, how we can begin to move into what Eugene Peterson beautifully calls the unforced rhythms of grace, how we can begin to connect with God's rhythm for our life and partner with him in such a way that we produce human flourishing wherever we go. So this is a little snapshot of what I, how I used to be when I lived in London and then when I went to university. When I lived in London, I worked there for two years. I was single. And when I lived at university, I started being single. And that's where I met Chris. And after we graduated, we got married. So that was the kind of age and stage I was at. And I'm aware that age and stage matters a lot when we talk about rhythms, because a lot of our rhythms are purely pragmatic. They're about certain things like work and family and what stage of life we're at. So what I want everyone to do is we're listening to that snapshot and then a snapshot of our life now is to be asking the Holy Spirit, what are the things that the Spirit is pressing in on for me, for my situation, for us, for our situation in the community that I'm a part of? The issue isn't in a sense what, what I do or what I used to do and what Chris and I do now. It's what God is calling each one of us to do and he speaks very personally and his word is always liberating. It's always the best news that we could hear. Although, as you'll hear with me, I kicked and screamed against one word he spoke to me for six years. Anyway, back in the day when I lived in London, this was kind of my life. I and and then when I was at university, it was pretty similar. I organised my life around working or studying essentially like Monday to Friday, nine to five. I was really pro the weekend and the evening. That was my time. I always left for any event, the time that the event was supposed to start. So in London, that inevitably meant every time I was one to two hours late because it takes that long to get across London. And in uh, Oxford, where the, the town is a lot smaller, I was more on time because it takes less time to get somewhere. I often would multiply book an evening. So I'd go from one event to another because I wanted to, I just love being with people and wanted to see what was going on. So I was always late and I was always in a rush. In London, I, we, I shared a house with other housemates who um, I think on the whole were Christians. And so I wanted to have some sense of connectedness with them. So we would have a meal together in the house once a week. Apart from that, we were like ships passing in the night and we, we weren't really sort of doing life together so much as touching base once a week. And every week that it was a fight to make sure I was in that night. Um, I also, both in those seasons of my life, I attended church every Sunday. 
if there was kind of a student lunch available or anything to do with food, that often was the reason that I went to maybe a morning service over an evening one. I also attended probably some sort of midweek meeting. I had some form of quiet time every morning, although I remember being very bored and having to get through it at university. I never worked over the weekend. My eating was chaotic. I was obsessed with trying to bring order to it. I went to the gym regularly. I often went away for weekends, particularly in London, and I called the permanent feeling in my stomach, my stress ball, my frenemy, my stress ball, my kind of friend and my enemy. So that's a little snapshot of, of, of me um, back in the day. Um, the why of rhythms, why we're looking at rhythms here at Hope in the 2021 is we always, is we all have rhythms essentially. We can't do life without rhythms. Some lead to life, some rhythms lead to death. Some lead to human flourishing and connectedness. Some lead to disconnectedness and self-destruction. The rhythms we're wanting to enter into are those that produce human flourishing, both in our own life and in the communities of those we connect with. And this is absolutely key. And we want this to be the, the plumb line through which everything else or the lens through which we read everything else is connectedness. The goal is connectedness. And in order to really take on board what, what Paul Golf brought um, a couple of weeks on purpose is actually, or to come into agreement with the fact we are already in union with Christ and to live in the reality of that union of connectedness. So that is why we put, we intentionally put rhythms in our life. They, we do have rhythms and we're looking to build rhythms which produce human flourishing. And that is about connectedness, both with God and with one another. So uh, some examples of people who might have rhythms in their life, but the orbit, if you like, that the earth, the sun, that the earth of their life is orbiting around is not God could be someone who follows a premiership football team religiously. I'm not talking about taking an interest or match of the day or whatever. I'm talking about religiously following a football team. They will organise their time, their finances, their relationships, their travels, even their emotions around the sun, if you like. the Not sun as in the striker in um, Tottenham Hotspurs, but the sun as in the balling, ball of gas in the sky of their team. A person who's a workaholic similarly will pay a price in every area of their life, including violating their primary relationships in order to achieve a sense of success in their workplace. A person who's a shopaholic or, to coin a phrase, a right moverholic will consistently be thinking about the new item, the new house to purchase, whether or not they actually do it. Um, but be feeding and consuming on that idea and organising their time, their emotions and their finances and relationships around that moment or that, that buying, that process, that maybe going to the shops as well. Essentially what the point is, humans are worshippers. Contrary to the secular ideology we live in, that we're, according to one of the writers in The Good Immigrant Chimps with Heirs, we actually are spiritual beings we're not just material beings and we worship we we absolutely devote ourselves to someone or something we crave we have deep need and desire and we are like the earth orbiting the sun in terms of the focus of our worship so we all orbit something there's always going to be that that burning ball of gas in the sky that we as the earth are making shaping our entire life energy, momentum, friendships, 
everything we prioritize around, whether we like it or not, or whether we acknowledge it or not. And rhythms show very clearly who or what we worship, because rhythms show what we do with our time. They essentially are saying, this is how I spend my time, because this is what I value. We worship what we give our time, our attention, and our money and resources and gifts to. If we don't give it to God, we will give it to someone or somewhere else. This is what the Bible calls idolatry. It's what the recovery programs call addiction. It's what people call affection. It's the thing that we give to that will eventually kill us and potentially through us bring destruction to those around us. Because like the earth orbiting the sun, we are designed to orbit God. And only in that perfect symbiosis between us and God will we experience fullness of life and be a place of human flourishing. So the why of rhythms, why we're wanting to intentionally push into healthy rhythms in our life is to posture ourselves for the reality of connectedness with God. When I say that, and we are always connected with God, we're always in union with him. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is present all the time. We are always his temple. We never move away from that position. But the, the why of rhythms is what humans can do to pay attention to the reality that's always there of God's love and presence in us and with us. So I'm going to say that one more time. The why of rhythms is to posture ourselves for the reality of connectedness with God. We are saying we intentionally want to organise our life around him, his heart, his kingdom, his values. We want to put all our time, all our resources, all our gifts, everything we have to orbit him and to come into agreement with what he is and what he's doing. Now, uh, Chris read in the first half last Sunday about Acts 3, about a beautiful story where Peter and John, Jesus's closest friends, after Jesus is resurrected and um, gone to be with God in heaven and sent out his Holy Spirit. They go, as is their regular custom in Jerusalem at the time, to pray in the temple at three in the afternoon. They are postured for connectedness. It was a daily rhythm. Similarly, there was another man whose daily rhythm was to beg at the temple. He had a disability, which in the ancient world would have caused incredible levels of distress socially physically it would have been hard impossible for him to work and so at every level he needed healing and he would come to ask for money to get him through the day and they would come every day and see each other and go to the temple and there was one day if you read this beautiful story again in Acts 3 where if you like the rhythm Chris and I talk about this is fulfilled. The rhythm of going to prayer is fulfilled. They're seeking connectedness with God. God speaks to them. This is the day of that man's healing and his full and complete social and physical restoration. Heaven and earth through that man and the man is completely healed with the word, get up and walk. His life is totally uh, changed forever and the whole of Jerusalem actually is revolutionized because they know about this man and an increase of more thousands come into and under God's good news and God's kingdom and reign through that one event. So we live in intentional rhythms not to bypass connectedness with God, but to posture ourselves for connectedness with God. If they were orientating their lives around other things, they would have missed that moment of what God wanted to do. So they were going to the temple to pray. They heard his voice and they brought his heaven on earth, if you like, the temple to that man. 
This is a lovely counter to an earlier story um, by Luke, who writes Luke and Acts, that Jesus told called the Good Samaritan, where there were religious people going to the temple to pray and they completely miss the the man who needed desperately physical and social restoration. And it was actually the enemy of the Jewish community, the Samaritans, famously, who was the man in the story who brought that to the man. So this is a lovely counter in Luke saying, there are two ways we can do our rhythms. One of them is in connectedness with God, postured for him. The other way is almost being so obsessed by the rhythms that we forget the why, which is connectedness with God and bringing heaven to earth and always wanting that moment of fulfillment. If we don't live and build intentional rhythms in our lives, we will live in reaction. There is no other way to live. We're either going to be building works of faith or building works of flesh. There is no moral neutral ground. There's no putting your foot on the on the whatever it is, cruise control. There's no neutral place. There's no resting on your laurels. We're either building or destroying because we're significant, made in God's image to rule. And we either will do that for human flourishing or human distraction. Mal, uh, destruction. Mal talks about the train tracks of life that were either that reactive and proactive. I think we here actually prefer the terms intentional and responsive. I think responsive is a better term because it's basically saying we're ready to respond. We're not going to react, have a life based on reaction. We're going to be responsive, intentional with our rhythms. And then when God is breaking through, when we can see he wants to do something or minister to us or through us, we are responsive at all times to partnership with him. So we intentionally put rhythms in our lives, which organize our lives around connectedness with God. And then we expect to be able to respond to what life throws up with God's healing, grace and connectedness. That's the why. And we must never, ever forget the why. We, it would be the most, the greatest tragedy when the church becomes like the two religious people in the Good Samaritan story who miss the very reason that we're um, designed to be connecting with God. If we don't live like this, we do a number of things. The first thing is we get into trouble. I am convinced that a lot of the reasons we get into trouble and make mistakes we regret is because we're not filling our lives with contending for the kingdom. And so we end up doing other things instead. There's this stunning insight into the human condition in Samuel where it says about David, at the time kings go to war, David stayed back in his palace in Jerusalem. Now, the violence in the Old Testament and war is an issue that we don't need to go into now. So let's see it as at the time when a king is supposed to rule his purpose and steward life, this king was just colluding with self-indulgence. And it was that moment that he, he sees Bathsheba, one of his best friends, his, his man at arms, the one he fights with, his wife. He commits adultery with her, tries to cover it up, ends up having to kill his, his best friend. And, it, and it's just absolute mayhem because of that moment. There was something as a king he was designed to do, go to war at the spring when kings go to war and he wasn't engaging in that. And so he did something that caused death and destruction to his family for many generations to come. If we don't live in God's good kingdom, we will be doing other things we regret. There simply isn't enough time to do both. And we need to say we're going to do one wholeheartedly. The other thing is we live 
we orientate our lives around idols. So we worship something. And I've already touched on that. So the first thing we do is we get into trouble. The second thing we do is we build our lives around something less than God to try and meet that God need. And it destroys us eventually. And the third thing we do is we live in a permanently reactive state. The most recent drama or crisis in the network of people we know. And some of us know a lot of people. So there's a crisis or a drama for pretty much every day of the year. Even if we don't know many people, it's the most recent drama or crisis in the world, in the news, because the news now isn't normal life. It, it, it has to attract clickbait. So the news now has to be a drama or crisis such that I'm going to look into it on my phone more than I would do. Most of life for most of people is pretty mundane. The number of tragedies, genuine tragedies, most people can count in their life is probably on one hand. And then you think of your family and there's probably one or two big tragic stories in the family, apart from those horrendous global tragedies that happen where families are caught up in it. For example, my, gran my grandmother's mother tragically died in the Spanish flu in 1920. So my grandmother lost her mother when she was two. It's one of those tragic stories that, that I grew up with and therefore was aware of the Spanish flu because it affected my family. These things are incredibly traumatic and need to be taken really seriously. But if we're all our emotions and reactions are towards the drama and crisis, we actually miss the ministry to genuine tragedy and trauma. For example, at the moment, we have an opportunity as hope and as church in the city and as people who care in the city um, to minister to Afghan refugees. That is a genuine trauma and a genuine tragedy, which some of us will be called very specifically to help. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living an incredibly reactive life to drama and crisis because it's good clickbait on the news. If we live, if we do not put our own intentional rhythms of building the kingdom in, we will live either getting into trouble, orbiting around our idols, or reacting constantly to the drama and crisis in other people's lives. We are designed to live intentional lives where we can respond with health and healing to the genuine tragedies in the lives of those we love and those we're called to serve around us and not just firefight, but actually build a better world, bring heaven to earth. And the way we do that is through a number of things, but I think one of them is to build intentional rhythms into our life to that end with that goal. We will look at daily ones today, but we will next week, we'll be looking at weekly rhythms we can put in monthly, annual towards this goal of bringing heaven to earth, deeper connectedness or the sense of reality of the connectedness of God. He's always with us. We're never actually disconnected from him, but a deeper reality of that deep reality of connectedness with one another and with the world that God loves so much and wants to bring justice and peace to through us. There's a beautiful verse in James, a very Jewish writer in the New Testament, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. These are ways we can draw near to God and experience him drawing near to us. So how I want to live now, however many years on from that day in the life before, I want to live in a deep sense of connection with God. I want to have a happy marriage. I want to have joyful connection with my children, both as children and as adults. I want to have close friends. 
I want to have a peaceful, be in, inhabit and be part of a peaceful, authentic, joyful, transformational, change the world, faith community of leaders, which we love to call hope. Um, we particularly want to prioritise those who have in any way not had a massive amount of investment in their life, in any way would be more vulnerable or marginalised through no fault of their own, but through maybe the injustice of the situation they're born into and particularly prioritise making a way for justice to happen in those areas. We want to make a change in such a way at Hope Chapel that contributes to human flourishing. In another words, my whole life I want to be about connectedness with God, with family, with friends, with Christian community and with the poor. And I will organise my life around these aims of connectedness. I want to, in alignment with the Hebrew Bible, and we're going to learn about that a bit now, is bring, live a life of creative order out of the deed creation chaos of the human condition living in disconnection from God. And you see this is a repeated pattern and invitation of the Hebrew Bible. It's beautiful and it's hopeful. Genesis 1 starts with the Ruach, the Spirit of God, hovering over a watery desert, which is not suitable for human flourishing. But the, the creator, with the word of God, by the Spirit of God, calls this beautiful creative order out of chaos, climaxing in the in a poem, um, which which, oh, it's so hard to communicate what poetry does, communicates the climax of God's creation, which is the male and female created in the image of God on the sixth day and then a beautiful rest on the seventh day that has no end. So we have this beautiful creation narrative and we see a rhythm, we begin to hear a rhythm of evening and morning, the first day, the second day the third day, the fourth day, and then there's a seventh day which has no end. There's a rest that lasts forever. Now, when we're reading the, the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament, we need to pay attention to repetition, and then we pay attention to repetition with difference. And it's through that tension that God's Spirit speaks to us. The Hebrew Bible is split into three parts, the Torah or the law, the instruction. I've just done a quick synopsis of the first bit of that scroll. There's a second scroll called the Prophets or the Navim, and then there's a third set of scrolls, sorry, not one scroll, third set of scrolls called the Ketuvim or Writings. The TNK, Tanakh, Torah, Navim, Ketuvim, stand for Tanakh, which is a word that has become associated with the Hebrew Bible. The first of the all, the first chapter in each of these scrolls is about a rhythm. The first one is the creation narrative, simply the first three days separating and the second three days filling, as I've just said. Then we get to Joshua 1, which is the beginning of the second set of scrolls, the history, the prophets in, in the Hebrew Bible. They're called the former prophets and the latter prophets, the Navim, the prophets. And we have this really interesting reference back to the Torah, those first five books that have just been written, the scrolls of the first five books in the first section meditate on the Torah, the instruction on God's word, day and night, and you will be successful wherever you go. And then you have this narrative of someone called Joshua, who is the, it is the Yeshua, is Jesus's Hebrew name, because Jesus is the Greek name for the same person, a, a figure taking a promised land, which is symbolic of Eden, a reunion with God, the promised land of harmony and intimacy with God, 
through tearing down strongholds, which in the ancient world would have been where enemies camped. So you have this image of territory being taken under a leadership of a figure called Joshua or Yeshua, who is an ideal reader of the Torah. Day and night, he is to meditate on it and he will be successful wherever he goes. Then you have a really interesting repetition of that in the beginning of the Psalm and the Ketuvim scrolls. The first one is the Psalms, the Torah, Navim, Ketuvim, and the first of the writings is the Psalms. And it has another encouragement to the reader of the Hebrew Bible blessed is the one who meditates day and night. They will be like a tree planted by a stream of living water. They will be Eden. They will be heaven and earth are one again. They will be a tree of life planted by streams of living water. So what the, the Hebrew Bible does is it constructs someone who so inhabits the word of God, they meditate on it day and night. It's like they're inaugurating the new creation of the Genesis 1 narrative. In the watery chaos, new creation comes by the spirit and the word of God. They are successful wherever they go. They tear down lies of the enemy that keep humanity in insignificance and keep us captive to all sorts of ways which are less than human. And they also, such an ideal reader and meditator and follower of the Torah, the instruction, the Tanakh, that they actually are like a tree planted by streams of water, uh, water which is see every single season is prosperous and successful. And you see how Jesus sees how he fulfills the Torah and the Navim Ketuvim. If you want one lens to read the Hebrew Bible through, it's the lens of Jesus. He sees himself as fulfilling that. He is the male made in the image of God who partners with the female of the church over the new creation. And we see that at the end of Genesis 1, and we see that fulfilled at right at the end of the story, spoiler alert, in Revelation 22. He is the ideal warrior. He is the Joshua. He is the Yeshua, the one who saves, which is the meaning of the word Jesus, Joshua, Yeshua. And he is the one for whom we can follow. And when we follow him, he tears down all the lies and the myths of our rejection from God and from one another. And he is Eden. He is heaven on earth. He is that tree planted by streams of living water. And in him, we can inhabit and bring heaven to earth. Now we see as well in the Torah, something else happens in this daily rhythm. We've already seen there's a meditation morning and evening. There's a rhythm of creation and then there's a rhythm of meditation. There's also a rhythm of sacrifice. Outside Eden, where Adam and Eve choose to rule, but not in God's image, to redefine good and evil on their own terms. And that means their state now is in exile. They're in disconnection from God. They, they aren't ruling in God's wisdom anymore. In order to access Eden again, immediately in the next narrative you see in Cain and Abel, a sacrifice needs to, something needs to be sacrificed to absorb the death in order to access life again. And Cain and Abel both offer sacrifices at the door of Eden. And we know that, that for whatever reason, Cain's isn't acceptable and Abel's is. And tragically, out of jealousy, Cain kills Abel. We also know in the new creation after the flood narrative where Noah, one chosen out of the watery chaos again to start off a new humanity and who's blessed, Noah himself offers a sacrifice on a new mountain garden after the flood. 
and we see right at the heart of the Torah, the instructions, Leviticus. The, the, the Torah is five books and the heart of it is Leviticus. The heart of Leviticus is Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. There is a sacrificial system which enables humanity to enter Eden, union with God once again, to be in Christ once again. And this beautiful sacrifice is itself fulfilled in Jesus. The priests are commanded to offer a morning and evening sacrifice to mark that beginning and end of day, that daily rhythm. And Jesus himself fulfills that sacrifice. So we see in the Hebrew Bible, there are all these rhythms and this invitation of meditation on the word in alignment with the rhythms of the natural creation. And then on top of that, a sacrifice of praise in the morning and evening. And this is the, the life that Jesus and those first followers would have entered into who were Jewish. They would have entered into a rhythm and a practice. Hence, Peter and John were going to the temple to pray. There was an extra prayer that was brought in during the exile. So the Jews traditionally would pray three times a day for reconnection with God. We believe that these are the shadow of what is to come and the substance is Christ. He is in us. He fulfills all our need for sacrifice, for Eden. He has come to us and we are now at one with God in him. But in him living in this world, there is still a daily rhythm, which we all still live by. There is still in our intuitive understanding as we stand on earth and we think the earth is still and the sun rises and sets, we still experience day and night, even in the polar regions where it's very long days and very long nights, we still experience a rhythm, a daily rhythm. And we do things, we spend time in different ways, whether it's work or rest or pursuing our dreams, we all have things we do during our 24 hours. And so some of them are seasonal, some are pragmatic, some are just because we're trying to survive. And there are all sorts of ones where it's just about how life works in, in different ages and stages and parts of the world. But what I want to encourage us all to do is feel the rhythm of Genesis 1. There is morning and evening, there's morning and evening, there's morning and evening. Feel the rhythm of Joshua 1. Meditate on the Torah day and night, day and night, day and night, and you'll be prosperous wherever you go. Feel the rhythm of Psalm 1. Meditate on the Torah day and night, day and night, day and night, and you will be blessed like, a, like the Garden of Eden. You will bring life wherever you go. So what I want to say now is how we engage with daily rhythms. And as I said, as we listen to this as a community and we put this into practice, we need to hear God for ourselves. So the first thing God had to address in my life, as you can probably have spot, was my own unsurrendered life. I didn't want to surrender to God's rhythm. I wanted to keep my own control and the chaos that went with it. And I felt him say very specifically, uh, it was over seven years ago now, get up at six and eat three meals a day. This was a personal word to me through an accountability group I was in. So this is not for anyone else. It is a yoke that works for me personally. But what I did with that word is I knew it was from God. And I also kicked and screamed against it with less and less vigor for about six years. The first two years, I totally resisted it. I was like, how dare God tell me when to eat? That is totally out of my domain. I'm a full, fully signed up charismatic. I'm totally into grace. I basically do what I like and hope God will bless it. I couldn't believe he would ask anything of me. The next two years, I was like, do you know what? I think he's for me, not against me. 
So I think he's inviting me into something which is healthy and whole. But I can't get there. I fail every single day. I cannot live into the reality of that rhythm. I can fast and I can feast. Um, I cannot just do a regular rhythm of three meals a day. That is impossible. So it was very painful time. And then the next two years, I was tasting it enough to say, actually, this is this is actual freedom. This rhythm is liberating me. This rhythm is portable. I can take it wherever I go. It means I'm guaranteed to be healthy wherever I am. That the work of having those basic things in place that we need to sleep, we need to eat well, and we need to exercise are already sorted. And then I can I can actually be someone who's already ticked those boxes of physical human flourishing. So therefore I can bring spiritual human flourishing. I felt at six, and this is totally because of efficiency of time. I'm not very good at like having a shower twice. I don't have enough time for any of that. So I just would get up at six and do a workout then because it makes everything so much shorter. It means the whole thing is done and dusted um, in time to then have my time with God in the word in the morning. And then I'm ready to be with the family for breakfast. That is my personal rhythm at this age and stage. And it is utterly liberating. I take it with me everywhere. And I'm so grateful that God would tell me something, even though he knew I'd kick and scream against it for a long time, because now I've come into agreement and align with it. It's such a joyful and peaceful way to live. God is for us, not against us. He sets us up for success and he invites us into a rhythm which produces human flourishing, deep connectedness with him and one another. So then that's my personal morning rhythm. We then have a family rhythm to, together at the breakfast, at breakfast every day. It's like I'm going to give some tips at the end, but it's like it can be like five minutes, 10 minutes and we connect we connect through reading something together. Um, Chris will read something. At the moment, we're going through a brilliant little devotional book by Bear Grylls, who our children have heard of, so they kind of can feel like they, they know the person speaking, which is really, really helpful. And then we do something that we learned from someone called Daniela Strickland, who spoke at New Wine a few years ago, called the Up and and Out Prayer. We raise our hands up. We praise God. We receive the Holy Spirit every day and, and bless the community of faith. And then we go out to bless the world. So it's really short. It's really simple. But we have we make sure all five of us, as much as we can be, are at the table every day at the same time and have that moment of connection. And then something I thought was rather special was we actually extended that for a period of time during lockdown at Hope. I don't know if any of you remember 8am prayers. We wanted everyone to taste that feeling of shared connectedness and Rebecca was absolutely brilliant in collating different people's contribution. The members of Hope, we all did it. Or It was all people from Hope who would bring a contribution every day at 8am and it was a beautiful rhythm and start to the day and that was our devotional time during that time in lockdown. We would have the 8 and prayers praying at that time that's what we did as a family and so it was lovely particularly for our children to see other young people like Jake and so on bringing their reflection I also have just put in a little bit of time after lunch just just for me to be again it's not like anything particularly anything I just make the time to as long as it takes to drink a decent hot coffee in a chair 
looking, staring into space most of the time and probably slightly talking to myself. But I do that after lunch every day to just whatever's going on in life, I'm going to have a bit of downtime. I also like to have a daily walk. Sometimes I don't, sometimes I do. But as Mal said, it doesn't matter if you miss it, if it's in there. And then that's a lovely time to be out and in nature. I think that's really important. I like to be there for the boys as much as I can after school. Who they, I pick them up earlier. And I like to have special time, one-to-one time with Jemima, who I pick up from school in the car. Then we f- connect together as a family every supper on the whole as much as we can. And during that, Mal talked about this. We look, and I first picked this up actually from the Hucketts, and then Charlie did this on zoom and youth and i just i've just we just i just love it i think it's just really really lovely is the good bits and bad bits of the day best bits worst bits all the highs and the lows and what i love that mal brought was it we're actually not it's not just a conversation starter um it's it's training in a reflective life what works what doesn't work and maybe even going into the whys and then at night (laughs) there are different ways i uh, my dream desire really is to just finish the day well um but that over the years changes sometimes it's reflection sometimes it's thanksgiving sometimes it's reading a christian book and it often involves falling asleep to nicky gumball because chris puts his app on and i always think if i ever meet you a will i just fall asleep because that's like in my brain and b would i say that i've fallen asleep to you to you for many years or maybe just rein that one in anyway so we end I, I I I aim to read widely but actually I think more and more the book I read falling asleep I I want it to be devotional and connected and, and a book of faith about connecting with God in some way again even if it's only a few minutes I want to inhabit in all these decisions living the new creation as you can tell if you put work in there as well there isn't any time for anything else. And I love that. My time is given towards all the things I think God has got for me to do. And I'm totally open to drop any of them and be responsive if, 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 if that is desired. But I find more and more that that intentional living means I'm building every single day exactly what I feel God's telling me to build in my personal rhythms. And I feel we as a family are building on a daily basis what we feel as a family we're called to build. And anyone living with us or staying with us during that time joins in those rhythms. One thing that someone did say was they, uh, I've, I've heard just Actually, it was from people in other countries, so it may not have been here. But they said during lockdown, they found they were getting into rhythms and then it all went to pot and it was really hard. I found completely the opposite. I felt during lockdown, nothing particularly changed. In fact, funnily enough, we're going to look at Sabbath next week. Freddie called our initial lockdown a, a, a thousand Saturdays or a month of Saturdays because it just had that same rhythm of rest and being at home and going for a walk which I'll I'll talk about more into what we do next week when we look at our weekly monthly and annual rhythms but nothing really changed in fact it really helped me because we it was a really stretching time that initial bit with home learning and working and I, I, I just knew, I still got up at six, did a workout, had a quiet time, went, then did the home learning in the morning. I had lunch. We had lunch as a family and, and the boys could have a bit of downtime then. And I thought you know, my temptation would be right, grab this moment and just try and get some work done. I 
some gold lines at that point. And, and I was, no, I need to sit still. I need to have my coffee. I need to stare out the window and think and, and just be, and then I'll do that. And you would not believe it. When we engage with God's rhythm, we get his economy and his kingdom. Everything that needed to be done was done. And we were able to keep that connectedness with our children and prioritize them in the morning and still connect with what we needed to do afternoon so i'd really encourage you in the good times the bad times the traumatic times the glorious times these rhythms keep us in a space of connectedness with god god's kingdom is breaking through on earth as it is in heaven and when i engage with those rhythms that i genuinely believe are helping me connect with god and people then i am inhabiting his kingdom in the midst the myth and the midst of decreation chaos, I'm inhabiting and inaugurating new creation. That's what I'm doing when I connect with him, when I connect with others in the rhythms that God has for me every day. So we're going to end there on daily rhythms. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit for each of us. What are the things to tweak? And to be honest, it was one word to me over seven years ago, get up at six and eat three meals a day. That was really the frame. That's all I needed to hear. It was exactly, it was so precisely addressing my issues of, uh, of bringing me out of decreation chaos into an orderly life, which is suitable for human flourishing. And that was the one action, the repentance, the metanoia, the change of lifestyle, the change of belief I needed to be able to move out of darkness in that area of my life into light with just one word from heaven. That's all we need is the word from heaven telling us what our daily rhythms are to be like. And what I would say in terms of our attitude and approach, just show up, just show up. There are some mornings when I'm lying in bed and I think I really don't want to do a 30 minute workout. So what I tell myself is just get into your outfit, just turn on YouTube, just do a five minuter. Who cares? Just show up. doesn't matter. It's better to do five minutes and know because our bodies as adults need a minimum of five minutes of five lots of 30 minute exercise a day to be baseline healthy. Just at least you do five minutes. That's better than doing nothing. And guess what? Every day I end up doing half an hour, but I show up. I would just say show up to the rhythms that God's told you to do and he will enable you to fulfill them. The other thing is one minute will do. If even if it feels like no one's at the table in time for breakfast, everyone's doing their own thing, we're all off on the tangent, we still say, let's just sit here, let's just let's read this thing and do the up and out, because it's better to do one minute of connectedness and go, oh no, we can't do it. I used to be an all or nothing person, like I'm either all in or there's no point doing it at all. And now I'm literally like marginal gains, as I've spoken about before, it doesn't matter, just show up. And just one minute will do of the rhythms God wants us to have. And he releases them and expands them. And then the other thing I would say, finally, on community, it, uh, sorry, on the daily rhythm is think in terms of what God has for you in individ as an individual and as a community. Jesus inhabited both those spaces in his daily rhythms. I'm going to end now with prayer. God, thank you that you invite us into habit the, the rhythms of creation the morning and the evening, the, the sacrifice, the connectedness with you, and that you say when we draw near to you, you draw near to us, and I found it to be true. I ask that you speak to each one of us. What are the daily rhythms you're inviting us into? What's the word from heaven that you have for each of us that will be a liberating rhythm that will deal with the exact issues we need to deal with to move out of a decreation state into new creation 
order and flourishing. Amen.